Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Asia chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association. I'm Rebecca Iswara. And I'm Bill Porman. This is the latest in our series of podcasts leading up to our 10th annual New Now Next Media Conference, or N3Con. The conference kicks off on the 27th of August. The theme this year is the new front lines, as journalists are reporting on unprecedented events. Not to overuse a 2020 word, but it includes a global pandemic, social unrest, geopolitical tension, and worldwide recession. But taking a step back, a new front line we have all been facing in the industry is digitalization. And print media has been undergoing this change for two or three decades now. Our guest in this episode, Esther Ung of Malaysia's Star Media Group, has experienced a lot of this firsthand. As the first chief content officer for the group, Esther is known for transforming the print publication into a digital-first outlet by changing the editorial team structures, overseeing digital and print content, and taking charge on the editorial direction of the whole publication. How did that change come about? We're about to find out. Hi, we are here with Esther Ng, Chief Content Officer at Star Media Group. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning and good afternoon. <laughs> so I wanted to, uh, before we start, wanted to get a little bit of your backstory. So what brought you into journalism and how would you describe your career so far in Star Media Group? I was a huge fan of the Lou Grant TV series. I'm very sure you're too young <laughs> to know this, but they're journalists see, and traditional media journalists. So I was quite taken by the whole series when I was younger. I thought being a journalist at the time was pretty cool. So I decided to do something about it. When I got into university, I started writing journals at a very young age, at eight. So I've always loved writing. And then later on, when I went into university, I was in a media communication faculty and there were like six or seven branches that you could get into. You have the advertising, the PR, the journalism, of course, broadcasting and quite a few others. And I've always wanted to be a journalist. I chose journalism, not because it's easy, because it looks hard. From my understanding is you've sort of worked up the ladder in Star Media Group from the beginning to now when you're quite known for transforming uh, the media group into a digital first outlet. So could you talk a little bit about how that journey has been for you and what have you learned along the way? I am Star Media Group's first chief content officer. First and foremost, what we need to do is change the mindset. And yes, even mine. As uh, forward-thinking you think you are, you should always be even more forward-thinking than you already are. My superiors did the writing from the start. They changed my title. I'm the first chief content officer. Everyone before me was the editor-in-chief, and then we had the group editor-in-chief. We had the group chief editor, but... They changed the title and my, my, my job specs are exactly the same, but they made me the chief content officer to remind me that content is just not about the written word anymore. It's about TV, it's about social media, it's about visual, it's about data. This is what content is about. 
the word editorial is no longer there. It doesn't mean that we are any less editorial, but we have to remind ourselves that we are content people. The journey has been quite interesting because we have been trained a certain way. We have been trained to be traditional media. We are a traditional media group, yeah? We started as that, but we have transformed ourselves to be something else. We are digital first right now. The journey has been quite interesting because it's a major shift. It's a major mindset change. I'll be lying to say that we are there already, but we are definitely on our way. And that's really interesting that you mentioned your title changed, but with the exact same job description. But surely you must approach content a little bit differently from what editor-in-chiefs would approach editorial direction. You have to kind of do the same way, but for all the content that you're producing or your team is creating, how do you describe that approach and how might it differ from what other editor-in-chiefs, yeah, or before your predecessors? What I was trying to say is that the job specs are the same, but we are looking at it from the content perspective. It's digital first. We don't forget print because we are still very much print. It's just that print is a different animal than what it used to be even. When we say we are digital first, we mean we break our stories and we are very visual online. So we have stories being told via the data form and very, very much video and very, very much visual. And it's interactive. So we get the viewers on board as well. Before this, when we have meetings or when we get together, it's very print-centric. You know what we're going to do tomorrow because our publication comes out only the day after, right? It's, it used to be uh, what we're going to do tomorrow. This is what we should get uh, we should get now for tomorrow. Right now, it's just so different, you know? Everything that I've learned in university, it's, I'm not going to say it's no longer applicable, but the best lesson learned is just to be on the job. I don't think there is any other GCE who who can learn so much on the job as in now, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only GCE, I'm not the only editorial chief who gets to do this. It's exciting. It's exciting because you're learning on the job as well, you know, and, and, and right now we are no longer traditional. Everything is digital. So what you can do right now, that's, that's what matters the most. Thanks for that. I wanted to trace back as well a little bit about your journey so far before you got here. You did say that you should always aim to be forward-thinking and more forward-thinking than you are now. Would you say that this is a mindset that you've had throughout your journey? And how do you push yourself to move in that direction at all times? Every one of us, you need to have a dream. You need to have an objective, a goal. And you just work towards it. As I've said, we are from the traditional media. And back then, how we were trained, how we all started, the interviews are are conducted so differently. We can still have the one-to-one now. It's always the phone. It's always face-to-face. Now, communication is so much easier. uh, We can interview somebody via Twitter. We can do it via Facebook Live. You know, it's it's not just about the phone and face-to-face anymore. This is the time... We make use of the media as well. The media is changing. I'm not going to say has changed. It's changing and it's continuous. So I think before we do anything, we need to dream big and just move towards it. At one point, having data journalism and having visual and data stories seems so daunting. You know, because we never told stories like that before. 
but this is the way to go. This is what the future is like. People don't want to just read written words. They also want to see visual. They want to see videos. You know, this was the dream a few years back. It's happening right now. And it's great because we are the ones to set the SOP. And you know what? The SOP changes all the time because there is no textbook to guide us. There is no guidelines because nobody has done this before. Other media are doing it at the same time, and I'm sure they're doing the same like we are, you know. You're figuring out your SOP, you're figuring out what you can do and what you shouldn't. Oh, we can do this as well. There is no limit. So I'm part of that committee, the Data Journalism Committee, uh, within our content department, because we have this segment called the Data Group. And every week when we meet, it's about setting SOP, and this SOP changes all the time. And to me, when you're from the traditional media, this is, this is unheard of because we had rules and it's right. kind of rigid, you know, it's kind of rigid compared to now. And now when we meet for this social media meeting, we have digital meets, we have the visual meets and we are setting the SOP as we go along. And that to me, it's a major shift from what it was like before. It's really interesting and dealing with younger people, you know, and they have this explosion of ideas, which is really interesting. It is definitely a daunting process to have to approach change and what you said, like constantly evolving SOPs week after week in order to produce greater stories. What sort of uh, support system did you have when you're trying to come up with a new framework that might work for different types of stories? So I'm guessing you must work really closely with your data journalism team, for example. Yeah. Our team is not a big team, and that team is led by a very senior journalist. Because at the end of the day, while you dream big and you need to run far, you need somebody solid who is grounded. He's from the traditional media, but he's modern and digital enough to dare to try things. And it's headed by him. His name is Raza. We are growing that team, but I'm also very lucky because I don't work within the walls of content. I have other departments sitting in that same committee. I have the tech person there. And I have quite a few tech people sitting, that's sitting in our team. And more, most importantly, I have the data team, the data and analytics team. There is a different department, a specialized department all by themselves. And I have quite a few of them sitting with us, of course. And then the content team. The content team is a strong six of us, you know. So... When we meet, I have the input from the tech team. I have input from the data team, the data analytics team. So we support each other this way, you know, and content people are all very story-based. So this is the story. We should get this out and we should tell people this. Well, the analytics people will tell you, oh, this is what it means. I think this is the story, but this is what it means. You have the answers in front of you. Their job is to ask the questions, right? They have the numbers in front of you. Their job is always asking the right questions. So from their questions, we see a new line of question. That we, we, we see another story developing. So it's great. I think one of the best decisions we made was to include these people. They have nothing to do with journalists. They're so fascinated, you know, with how reporters think. They're so fascinated with this is the approach that content we want to come from. But hey, what about this question, you know? And, and, and we get fascinated by these other team, you know? So one of the best 
thing we did was to consolidate. And we learned from each other. We learned from the other department. We, we even have people from corporate comm join us because they'll look at an issue from a totally different point of view, you know? So it's interesting. That does sound like a remarkable decision, especially when you were able to push that change, not only in mindset, but also really just how to tackle a story differently. Would you say that's one of the most satisfying moments where you felt like you really made a change in the newsroom? Yes, you know, (laughs) because you dreamed about this so long ago and you're wondering, the star is always the first to do things. We were the first mainstream media in Malaysia to go online in 1995. We are 25 years old today. Our TSOL, the acronym for the star online. So when we first started, it was just stories picked up from print which was made digital, you know, which made online. Ah, it was such a big thing, you know. And we had a star online. We had a banner and we had a selected stories. We didn't have many stories at the time. We had selected stories from our print. We were still very, very print-centric at the time. And we took only selected stories from print to go online. And it grew from there. And later on, we had the stories from the entire paper online. But we have grown so much. The Star Online and the print paper, the print product, they're two different products right now. Of course, we're digital first, as we said. We are social media first. We are TSOL first, the Star Online first. But print, we have not forgotten print. Print is a different animal. We need print for different things. It is a different approach to stories. Is to tell our readers the entire story. So you can't just stick to the Star Online or the e-paper or the social media you need the print to tell you the whole story because we, we give a lot of analysis, we give a lot of commentaries, we give a lot of even interaction. We, we have letters, right? And we do a lot of react stories in our print products. So it's basically the whole thing. It's not just online, it's not just offline, it's the whole thing. So when we talked about data back then, it's so futuristic. But that was, what, eight, nine years ago, we thought about having stories told differently. You know, because now we can do it online. We have this list of statistics from our stats department. You know, many, many years ago, they were just statistics. And journalists of the yesteryears, you know, they will approach the stories so differently. Of course, statistical stories are always interesting because you are playing with numbers. But now we can put it in a whole different platform. And that platform comes alive thanks to online right thanks to digital we are looking at the story so differently because the chart will tell the story by itself and in it we embed a lot of pictures we design the infographics ourselves it's from the content team you know and these are the people who are from the traditional media so we are talking about poignant moments this is it because we have made it happen And we have so few people to look to get advice from or to get inspiration from because we were one of the first few to start it, you know? So it's interesting because we are journalists of the printed word and now we are telling stories differently. We're telling the stories via data. We're telling the story via charts, via pictures. I have learned that from the traditional paper, when you're talking about the traditional media and the print product, we always have this page that we are kind of proud of. It's called the picture page. 
we can talk about the MCO. The MCO is our movement control order, which we just had about three months, right? So we always try to have a page where we let the pictures tell the story. So we get the best pictures of people buying stuff or an empty park, you know, and we love to have picture pages like these. You just have very few words to describe what KL is like during the MCO. But via data, we call it the Star Plus, and that is a little segment in the Star Online. We get to tell this story live. We get to tell this story via it's online, it's different, it's digital. What we do is we embed pictures and we have a few lines to tell the entire story. So, you know what? We have minimal words, but the picture, the maybe eight to 10 pictures will tell you the entire story. And that works. People love to read this. People just love to go through what we have. So what it taught me was that we have always known that picture sells, but via data, it took us to a whole new plane. So we have visual stories. So as much as I talk to you and talk about how amazed I am with data stories, I'm equally amazed with visual stories. That's one of the things we want to do and we want to continue doing visual stories. We can take pictures of lovely buildings and we put it together, you know, just to tell a story. And people like to read this. I like to read it. Visual is definitely a very compelling medium, especially nowadays where more information is increasingly presented in a visual format. I'm imagining the visual sort of elements in your stories must be very popular amongst your readers and amongst people who visit your website and interact with all those different elements. Yeah. But I'm also curious as to how you brought this change into the newsroom. As you mentioned, it were traditionally a print group, as is most media companies out there. What was the conversation like and how did you get them to write? <laughs> how did you get them to give it a shot? One of your questions was, what is the story of my struggle? Mm. I give the same answer all the time. It's a change in mindset. Because as I've said, you know, we began in a traditional media. And the thing is, that traditional media is still very much part of us. You know, so it's just you know, in a different form. It's just a different animal right now, but it's still very much part of us and something that we are very proud of because we started there. It's also one of our biggest challenges because unlike portals, you have only one platform. You break your stories online and you do everything online. We are constantly reminded that we have this other platform that we have to take care of and that's our print. And we started there and I kind of like to think that we kind of excel in that, you know, it's, it's still very much part of our main platform. So it's challenging at the same time. It's also fun because we get to do this online digital thing, which we have to keep doing because this is the way to go and this is where we want to be. But at the same time, we have this other animal that we can do whatever we want to do with it. And as I've said, it's just a different animal from what it was before, but it's equally important and it's very important to us. So mindset because these are not all of them but many of them are from the yesteryears yeah we're trained from the traditional media platform change in mindset every one of us need to dream as i've said and i've never stopped sharing my dream with my teammates and the thing is the the content staff they've been around for a long time 
And I'm very blessed to say that we are a very well-oiled machine. It's been there forever. They know exactly what to do. But we need to talk a lot. We need to communicate a lot. I think one of the things that I, I find very effective is to share my dreams with these people. They're all heads of their department. They can be the visual head. They can be the video head. They are the traditional print head. Of course, the digital media is very much part of the talk. Okay, It's actually the center point of everything. But we share our dreams, what we want to do and how we want to get there. And it doesn't take a very long time for them to get on board. But the challenge or the struggle is to make sure they carry on and not fall off the track, you know. We have this road that we need to go and this is the destination that we want to be at. Let's not lose track of it. But they are all on board. Share the dream with them, you know. Um, and I'm just lucky, as I've said, because we are a very well-oiled machine. We know exactly what to do in circumstances like this. My job is to show them it is like this that we want to do. It is like this that we're going to do it. And this is where we're going to go. This is what we need to do. So everybody will come in and they know what to do. I'm not saying that we are there yet, but we are definitely on our way. How do you foster the teamwork between the teams? I'm just imagining that the video people, the tech people, the writers, they might not naturally interact with each other, but how do you make them all collaborate? Do you do workshops and do you have writers pick up digital skills? Technologists learn the art of how to write concise two-sentence descriptions that can perfectly depict a chart. Or how do you promote cross-collaboration in between the teams in your organization, especially from a leadership position? You know, we meet a lot. We also have this um, WhatsApp group, which is... We have uh, maybe a thousand messages oh, a day. Are the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, but we, we meet. Even, um, even during MCO, skeletal crew and all, but we meet. I think that's very important. You can meet while you're at home. I'm on half-day leave. I'm trying to finish my leave. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I'll, I'll be on half-day leave for the rest of my life because I really need to clear my leave. But see, I'm not the only one. You can still work from home. But we meet, we brainstorm quite a bit. And um, I'm lucky because, as I've said, many of my teammates are from the traditional media. They're all editors now, they're all heads. But they are very, very on board <laughs> uh, when it comes to digital. They're very, very on board when we want to do something new. They'll go all quiet sometimes because it's like, oh God, what does, you, what does she want to do right now? But they're on board. I've never heard, uh, no, I don't want to do it. I've never heard it. It's more the, oh, this is what you want to do. This is what we should do. Okay, let's do it this way. But I think the constant communication, the constant talking to our heads, not just the heads, our young reporters as well, it helps quite a bit. I think we have to be open-minded. We need to listen to the younger ones because these are the people, as I've said, with the explosion of ideas. And I can sit with the younger ones. They'll come out, why don't we do this? And I'll be like, why didn't I think of that, you know? Yep, they're very good. Explosion of ideas. I'm always open to it. You learn from these people because this is their world. It's really great. I would love to have sort of a news leader like you who's very receptive <laughs> to all these changes, all these innovations. Looking back, how would you say the environment for media nowadays, particularly in Malaysia, 
is different from, say, around 10, 20 years ago. Do you see any conflict, if at all, in terms of demographics, race, religion? Those are very sensitive areas I know from Indonesia, where I'm from. Mm. Um, I was wondering what the environment was like in Malaysia for you. Mm, I don't think that's a major factor for me. Mm. The race, the Chinese journalists, quite a few of them everywhere, actually. So there's never been quite a challenge. It's not a struggle for me. I'm only a bit astounded that I'm one of the very few editors-in-chief who are women. Mm. We need to change that. Because when we have meetings and I'm, I'm meeting my peers from other media, they're always men. And most of the time, I'll be the only other women, you know, only other women. And perhaps you have one or two others, but we need to change that. And in the staff, I'm the fourth woman GCE, the fourth woman editor-in-chief. So it's not anomaly with the staff. I see this trend continuing. I don't think women EICs or women editors or journalists are better than men. We're just different. Men are very uh, big picture. Women are very big picture and small picture. <laughs> they, are very, they, they go for the nitty gritty as well. Mm-hmm. We are big picture and we make sure that the nitty gritties are attended to as well. I've had bosses who are men. I have bosses who are women and they're different. All these bosses inspire me. I want to be something like that. Oh, I don't want to be something like that. Oh, but men and women, okay? My bosses, there have been like two, three women and three men who are my bosses. As I've said, I've got a lot of experience in dealing with men bosses and women bosses. And all of them have been role models for me. Oh, that's great to hear. And it's great to know as well that the star is an anomaly where it looks like everyone can thrive. <laughs> So, Everyone uh, can cry. Do you have any words of wisdom or advice <laughs> for our members? And you're clear <laughs> someone with uh, coming from a place of a lot of experience, uh, especially for everyone who's currently trying to face the changes head on, be it with digital, with newsrooms, and unfortunately, some of the layoffs that are associated with it, yeah. or young journalists who are struggling to get their foot in the door. Don't lose faith, you know. We are going through tough times right now. But, you know, there are a lot of journalists want to be out there. But you are the trained journalists. You are the real journalists. We can talk about the digital platform. We can talk about media. We can talk about the visual platform. We can talk about the traditional platform. But these are, at the end of the day, just platforms. The tenets of journalism is the same. You go for accuracy, you're there to inform, you know, you're here to educate, to spark discussion, and never forget you're there to entertain as well. That's part of your role. So don't let the platform scare you. And this is not going to be the end of it. I don't know what it's going to be like even three years from now, even two (laughs) years from now. There might be another platform, but these are just platforms. The tenets of journalism stays. They'll always be the same. So don't lose faith. You're always relevant. And with that, we thank you so much for our insights. Thank you so much for being with us today, Esther. Thank you, Rebecca. Been pleasure talking to you. Many thanks again to Esther Ung for joining us on the podcast. And hopefully we'll see you at N3Con, the AAJA Asia annual conference starting on the 27th of August. Due to COVID, we're going virtual, but the program is as strong as ever. You can find it at n3con.com. We'd also like to hear from you regarding the podcast. 
You can reach out to us at aajaasiapodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe as well so that you don't miss an episode. I'm Rebecca Iswara. And I'm Bill Porman. Stay safe.